Yeah, I just keep it steady on the magic. Do my thing, I'm healing, it's fantastic. If I fall, rise automatic. You ain't no now, you know. I'm the one rain myself like a tree from the roots. Westside girl, cause she lived in the coast. Eastside girl, when she speaks to the roots. Stay 100, cause she on with the truth. Been there on struggle, know that it pass. Only going up, yeah, the pain don't last. Ooh, take off. Ooh, take off. Ooh, take off. This is take off, take off, take off. Shorty like Brandy, fight like Monica. What you know about her? Baby girl raising, way to the top. Shaking the world, don't expect her to stop. Hope so great, she get what she got. Follow her step, cause she following God. What you need more, got a heart full of gold. Even at times when it's raining and cold. Ooh, she about take off. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Uprooted Network. It's your girl, Hannah, AKA Ruta. And I am joined by none other than TechLine today. Bro, I'm excited. It took a minute to get you on, but I am so happy to have you here. Um, Y'all, you are in for a treat. I told, what did I, what did I message you? I was like, I need your genius on the show. <laughs> Yes. Um, and and y'all are going to understand why in, in just a few minutes, but this is Black Men Speak Sundays. Um, you are a phenomenal Black man, and I wanted to make sure that I got you on because since the very beginning of this stupid war that we are in, um, this Tigray genocide, you have been going hard, and I need the people to know who our leaders are, even the silent ones. Um, actually, I don't really think you're silent, but <laughs> we need them to know. And so I have my guy TechLight joining. Um, and the funny story is, before I even knew you, right, I had a cousin um, that was like, or actually I had a friend, Rem. You guys have seen her a little bit. Um, that was like, hey, do you know anybody that can speak on a panel? And in the first, like, the first, like, week or two, everybody was just scrambling, right? Like, nobody knew each other. We were just all scrambling to, like, figure out, like, how do we get, like, what do we do, you know? And I was like, I don't know, but let me ask somebody. And so I asked my cousin, because um, she's really smart. So I was like, she probably knows somebody smart or she can do it, right? Um, and then she sent me your number. And I never even saw your face or anything. I just passed the book. I was like, hey, would you be down? And then I just connected you to her. Um, and then flash forward, like a few weeks later, we end up in a working group meeting together. And I was like, wait a minute, I know him. Um, so it was really funny. And then since then, you've just been going hard. Um, and it's been amazing. So say hello to the people, TechLive. Welcome, welcome to Uprooted. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you for, for having me on. I appreciate that. And when we were talking about how we uh, came to know each other and how we connected, um, it feels like it's been um, it's been centuries ago. And that mm -hmm. tells you how much has um, gone over the past year and the things that we have gone through. It has it has been one year almost, but it feels more than um, it, it feels decades and and, and more. Uh, and you're right, yeah. I think we have been, the entire Tigray community has been going on this um, activism and being voice for our people. And we have been 
we have put our, our careers and normal jobs on the line to focus on what is more urgent and what is more uh, important. And I, do, I think I, I'm not an exception in that um, regard. But um, I'm really looking forward to this discussion, Anna. I appreciate that. Yes, of course. Um, no, literally, I swear, like, I just, I feel like I've lived 20 years, you know, like, it's just like, wait, that was so long ago. And I'm like, oh, actually, no, it was only a couple months, like, you know, but it, it feels like every month feels like another year. It just, it's so long and it's so exhausting. Um, but then it's like, we spend so much time talking to one another, you know, whether it's the advocacy work or just like, we need to like take a break and laugh together. Um, and, you know, we thank God, right? We've all like have learned how to use and be a part of this virtual world so that we can connect with one another because at any given time, those of you who don't know, I'm currently in North America, I'm in the US and my guy tech lies all the way in Sweden. So we're international and it's pretty amazing in our rooms and like the, the groups that that we work with, it's completely global. You know, it's really tricky though to figure out times, but <laughs> somehow yeah. we're always in some type of communication and it's been so beautiful. Um, and I remember first being introduced to your media. They just kept saying, yeah, Tiga, Tiga. I was like, what the heck is a Tiga? Like, I was so confused. And they're like, that's Tech Lies thing. And I was like, well, what is Tech Lies thing? And I was just really like lost. Um, so then I went on it and I was like, oh my God. It's like a whole, like, it's like a Tigray news station, you know, in my mind. Like, if you ever needed to understand what was happening in Tigray, you could go to uh, Tiga and, like, see, right? And um, yeah. I'm going to get on the, st the screen for them. But can you tell them um, what what Tiga is and, and why you kind of created that? Yeah, indeed. Before I go to that, um, Hannah, mm -hmm. can I say a, a bit about the Tigrayan community and the things that... Oh, yeah. Um, so I think one of the... Um, I wouldn't say blessing in disguise because that wouldn't convey the message that is, is war happening and people are dying. So mm -hmm. there is no blessing in that. But I think one of the good things that happened to the Tigrayan community in, in general is we became very close-knit community over the past year. I don't think it would have happened without um, without the, the devastating war that is happening in Tigray. I think that has brought us together and people from Australia, from the US, from Europe, from Africa, from all over the world have come together yeah. and we have become a very, um, a very close-knit family. We, we, we empathize with, with, with each other, we care mm -hmm. for one another, we look after one another and that's amazing, that's amazing. And one of the interesting stories that I have been um, observing over the past year is when people in different time zones, especially when you have people from Australia, <laughs> organizing a meeting becomes extremely difficult because they are in a crazy time zone. Um, oh, so that makes everything um, challenging, but ultimately fun. Uh, and, um, uh, and we have been doing amazing um, work. And I want to say um, congratulations to, to the entire Tigray uh, online community. I think we have been doing amazing, amazing uh, job, and we don't uh, pat on our on the shoulder to, to ourselves. I, th I think it's amazing that we do that. About yeah. Tugat, 
so I don't want to give the impression that I am the only person behind Tugat. I am only oh, a it's team about an army. There's no way. Yeah. There's so many. So, there's so much content. In, indeed, yeah. Uh, so it's it's a group of people, and I don't actually do as much um, work as the other people in the team do. There are people who almost um, have kind of given up everything else, and they spend their entire time on, on Tugat. So mm -hmm. I'm only a kind of a peripheral figure in the in the Tugat. But we we launched Tugat. Um so if you remember Hannah, one of uh, when the war started on November 4, two things happened. One was of course it started, and the other was Abiy Ahmed cut off all telecommunication services into Tigray. Mm -hmm. And the thinking, it wasn't an accidental thing. There was a plan to it. There was a hideous plan to it. The plan to it was that. He thought he could do all his um, dirty things in, in total darkness. Mm -hmm. And he thought that he would be able to tell the story as well. So not only was he planning to totally annihilate Tigray, but he also wanted to set the narrative, to tell the story. Um, and he wanted to do everything in, in darkness. And we sat down and said, OK, there is only so much we can do from, from, from afar in terms of directly uh, engaging by, for instance, way of joining to guide different forces and stuff so those were things that that went um enriched for us we couldn't do that but at least we could sit here and we could um uh, tell our stories that's the least we could do so that was the, the rationale that was the thinking behind why we felt the need to to launch it and we have been uh, fundamentally we have been doing uh, two things i would say the first is documenting events in, in, in Tigray. So yes. um, everything that happened in Tigray, be it people killed or things destroyed and stories from personal stories from some people. So we document them as they are without without adding, without doing anything. We just uh, uh, put them up as they are. Mm -hmm. And the other thing we have been doing on Tigray is um, telling the, the Tugran uh, perspective of the story, um, publishing op-ed pieces, for instance, or um, when, 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 when the government says something crazy, um, writing a rebuttal to, to that, for instance, or when the government published material in Amharic, which we think, which we believe uh, the international community should read, we mm. do the uh, translation of, of those documents and we publish them on, on Tugat. So generally, if I have to, put it in one umbrella. We have been um, trying to, number one, um, counter the narrative of the of the regime in Addis Ababa, and yeah. number two, document events as they happen in, in Tigray. But it's been extremely difficult because it's extremely difficult to get access to, to, to Tigray. So you, you don't really, yeah, you don't really have an, an a, a, a reliable um, source of information from Tigray. But, whatever trickles out of Tigray, we managed to, to document it. And I think it has been, it has had an enormous impact. Uh, people from international media have resorted to Tigray to, to kind of find stories, to find uh, what is happening and, and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think we have been very, very impactful in that sense. No, like you guys are amazing. I, for one, um, the way my empathy is set up, right? Like I can do the feelings no problem right like i'm i'm in my feelings all day long um but when i try to like sit and read articles written by other people where they're constantly mischaracterizing us um 
or they you know what I mean like they try to soften the narrative or whatever the case is like my blood boils you know and it's just like I cannot get through it or like when I'm reading um kind of the horrific stories and stuff it just my stomach drops you know like I I personally like that was not my that was not my lane for advocacy I was just like that will kill me faster than anything you know and I knew myself but there's people like you and on your team and there's others out there that are doing that that is a hard labor because we are personally affected we're not talking about strangers right we're talking about our families and I think something that you said that was really key is our ability to tell our own story because what happens, I forget how the quote is, right? But it's like um, when the oppressor is telling your story, they're always going to make you look bad, right? It's like, no, we're the victims, but somehow we're also the bullies. Like, you know what I mean? At the same time, like that, it, it's just this weird dichotomy that happens. And then the other the other key thing that I want people to like pick out and remember is you're another source for journalists, right? Because when they're writing their stories, they want to get all the different sides to the story. If we don't talk about our side, then they write the story without our perspective, right? And they have no source of like, well, what's the Tigrayan perspective? Like if we don't have a media source that they can engage with, then then we don't get we don't get seen at all. So that is really extremely important work, right? Um, when we're when we're thinking about narrative building, because at the end of the day, narrative building, propaganda, like it's insane. Information wars, like you can literally like make the victim the oppressor if you want to, and it's just ridiculous, like how do you call us terrorists, but you're bombing us? Like, who's really the terrorist, you know? So it it's really important, especially for outside people who don't understand Tigray, who don't understand Ethiopia or, or Africa in general, to understand, like, the complexity of this issue, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think it's extremely, extremely important. It's also why I do my show, right? Because there's so many of us that are working and doing these things and we need to know each other. Like we need to know each other. We need to know what's going out, um, what work is happening and how we can support one another in multiple ways. Like this is one way, right? We have healing spaces because we're going through so much trauma and PTSD, like, you know, being reignited for our parents and for those who remember the 80s, you know, who remember Derg, who remember these things. And if you think about it too, they are intentionally burning down schools, right? They are intentionally trying to take away all of our history and knowledge. So if we don't document it, right? And if we don't do our part, then when this war is over, um, and when and when we're able to survive and prevail against another genocide attempt, what story would have been left if we don't document it as hard as it is for us? Like if we don't document it, then we will get erased again. Yeah, I think I think uh, Hannah, you raised a very important point uh, when you say uh, that they they generally tend to to blame the the, the oppressed. Um, 
if you remember the 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 narrative um in in the first weeks uh, after the war started mm -hmm. uh, the the narrative that Abiy wanted the international community to to buy was uh, the following so he said that after the TPLF attack the, the northern military command mm -hmm. there was no option for him but to to retaliate and he said that any nation if it found itself in that same situation would act in exactly the same way as he did um and he said that due to the extreme care and precision with which the war was being um prosecuted by the by the ethiopian defense forces mm -hmm. um civilians were were not being killed actually if you remember he went on tv at around um i don't remember but it, it must have been either in December or in, in late November, when he said, when he appeared on, on, on parliament and mm -hmm. said that not even a single individual, not even a single civilian was killed, when in fact, by that time, it had become absolutely clear that thousands of people had been killed, civilians had been killed. So the yeah. narrative he, he had tried to peddle to the, I don't think he had much care for the Tigran community, but for the international community, because he, he knows that he is dependent on the international community, mm -hmm. the narrative that he wanted them to buy what he was forced into a war, but he was extremely uh, careful in how the war uh, was being led and, and prosecuted, and therefore no civilians were, uh, were finding themselves at, at the receiving end of the brutality. Yeah. But after it had become extremely difficult to, to hide the sheer amount of atrocities by Eritrean forces and by Ethiopian forces, and when um, after international media uh, kind of sneaked into Tigray somehow magically, really, uh, especially how um, uh, Nima El Bagabir of CNN um, got access to Aksum. It is it's, it's a, it's, it's a miracle how they she, she, she went in there. But after really? things became, um, after some people uh, started to kind of um, see what was happening, after the darkness um, started to recede somehow. Mm -hmm. He he automatically changed the narrative, and the narrative became well. Indeed, uh, civilians um, had been killed, but entirely, but it's entirely the fault of the Tigray forces and the the Tigray people who are supporting a terrorist organization. So the, the narrative changed, and the blame was being laid on the people uh, for supporting the, the TDF. And now, if you if you randomly tune into one of the state media in Addis for instance, yeah. they don't anymore say that civilians haven't been killed but they say that there was nothing that the government could do because the terrorist organization waged a, a war mm -hmm. and as in any war civilians would die and therefore that's how um, civilians have died and actually yesterday um the the state minister of the of the finance department tweeted um and he tweeted he tweeted and he he mentioned getacho renda in the in the tweet but the tweet basically says the entire Ethiopian community had, had joined hands together to move forward, but the Tigray pe people is refusing to, to join and is paying a price for, for that. So he, he's blaming actually the Tigray people for failing to, um, to join what he calls Ethiopian unity and for failing to march uh, forward with the rest of Ethiopia. And mm -hmm. the children being starved to death and the people being starved to death and the devastation being visited in Tigray, according to him, is entirely the fault of the of the Tigrans. So first, they have devastated us. They have killed us. They have starved us to death. And yeah. second, although that wasn't enough, they are blaming the entire thing on on us. So it was a very very important point that you raised.
that. Oh yeah, I, like anybody who has um, even a little bit of psych knowledge, right? Or if you just follow the trends, right? Like Abby is a grade A narcissist, a grade A narcissist. He is proficient in gaslighting, and he's also pr like proficient. Part of that is shifting blame, victim blaming. Um, well, it's your own fault because if you would have just listened, I wouldn't have to hurt you is what any abuser says, right? Um, because he did like in the, in the first very strategically, right? One, he chose the day that we were watching the U.S. elections, which was a very glo like global issue, right? The issue of the U.S. Ele elections literally gets the eyes of the entire world, whether we like it or not. It's just the fact. And I'm sure he wasn't the only dictator in training that used that day to do something like this, right? Because when the whole like world is focused on one event, it's it's much easier for you to get away with whatever you want to get away with. And he kept calling it a law and order operation. Um, but you don't need an entire army for a law and order operation, right? Like, at least in my mind, you don't. But also, he never accounted for the fact that he was moving the army before the so-called attack, right? Like, why were you already moving troops from the south to the north in anticipation of attacking? Like, anyone with half a brain would know that, you know? So it's just, it is, it's a lot of, let me tell the story, let me take out the parts where I look bad, you know, and make all of the focus and all of the blame on a political party that left power peacefully, right? Like you, they always leave that part out. They left power, they left Abdesalba, and they were in their own region, minding their own business. So... And that has nothing to do with civilians, right? That has nothing to do with civilians. You can, if it is a political problem, then there are political solutions. There's, war is not that. Like, this is not that. And then to change the narrative to like, oh, this is a civil war. This is not a civil war. This is not, there's, first of all, there's nothing civil about this, right? Like, I don't even know why we use such language. Um, it's not civil. There's nothing civil about it. You attacked a region. Um, you are killing civilians, and they're defending themselves. The, it's yep. as simple as that. They are defending themselves, and they are fighting for their survival. It's yeah. really that. Well, I think about um, um, it's, it's a very important point you raised about uh, narratives. I think um, one of the things that I don't observe many people mention and uh, talk about um, is about the, the so-called um, attack on the, on the on the Northern Command, right? Mm -hmm. Now, there hasn't been any independent investigation as to what transpired on the night of the third uh, to fourth of November, if, if I remember correctly, right? Mm -hmm. The only the only story we have is from the government, and of course, the government maintains that the TDF had conducted this extraordinary blitz uh, attack on the on the base and and therefore that, that is what um uh, precipitated the whole thing right that's the government narrative but there mm -hmm. hasn't been any independent investigation and for all we know it could well be the case that nothing happened on that night apart from some minor skirmishes here and there on on some 
military bases. Definitely, that's at least what the, the TPLF says. Yeah. But the most important point when it comes to that, I think, uh, and people must um, kind of try to push this narrative when they have time, mm -hmm. is it's the duty of the prime minister to make sure that things didn't come down to that. Even if granting that the TPLF had indeed attacked the military base, it's the fault of the prime minister that um, that he wasn't able to solve whatever uh, division, whatever differences he had with the TPLF uh, uh, through a political process, through a political means, right? Mm -hmm. So let's take in the US, for instance, if one state randomly and suddenly attacked a federal army base, the president would be blamed for that, for letting that happen, because the president, it's the job of the president to make sure that such things don't happen, right? Mm -hmm. And even granting, I'm, I'm granting the, 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 the ABU regime's narrative that the TPLF had indeed attacked a military base, even conceding that, even accepting that, it yeah. doesn't absolve him of blame because it is his duty as the, as, as the prime minister who is in charge of the entire country, including mm -hmm. Tigray, to make sure that those things didn't happen. So that is a very fundamental point that people don't um, uh, talk about in, in general. But the other thing is, even granting that the TPLF did indeed attack the military base, how does the, the occupation of Western Tigray follow from that? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, okay, we, 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 are, we are being told that, okay, the, military, the, the TPLF attacked a military base and therefore the perpetrators must be brought to, to justice, right? That's the basic argument, right? Yeah. How does the occupation of the entire uh, Western zone of Tigray follow from a couple of um, top TPLF brass attacking a military base? So it's an argument that if you closely investigate, um, you find out it has more um, more holes than the proverbial um, Swiss cheese. It's a problematic uh, narrative. Very. I mean, if you think about it, and for months we talked about this, right, as advocates, it's like, okay, if this is, you know, you want to have this narrative of law and order, that you are searching for the culprits, right? The bandas, the, what does he call them? Not bandas, the juntas. He loves that word, juntas. Um, the why, junta, as he says it. Juntas, yes, because he doesn't, he doesn't say it properly. Um, when, when were those arrests going to be made? Like, thousands of people had died at that point, and still yet, we hadn't seen one arrest of these so-called people that he was looking for. Um, I just remember them extrajudicially killing old retired TPLF who were not even active, like so irrelevant. They were not part of the people you were chasing. And so it's just constantly trying to give his base a justification for the horrific things that he was doing over and over and over, even today, still, right? With the sham elections, crowning himself, right? Like all of these things, it's just like, really? You couldn't have an elections last year. What's the difference now, right? Like that was the whole argument that they, they had to begin with was that um, he was trying to prolong elections and Tigray went around and was like, I'm going to still do like or not i this is we as a region are still going to hold regional elections because they found a way to do it safely during covid right and a lot of people will go back to that as kind of a catalyst um at least from from the government's narrative that it was a defying order and 
but it, it it's just like again there's always missing context there's always missing context you like how is it now in the middle of a so-called civil war covid still exists you guys don't have vaccinations right how is it now that you're able to still hold on elections these are the questions that have to be asked yeah. and raised. i think yeah i think I, uh, uh, there are um, two things to be mentioned uh with regard to the election and the the covid excuse that the government gave mm -hmm. the the first point is at least in Tigray, when the Tigray people um, held election in September of 2020, you could see that um, they were following the, the COVID guidelines in general. I mean, not, not strictly, but you could see that people were um, um, maintaining the two meter social distancing. And you could see that there was an awareness, there was the atmosphere was that people knew what they were doing in general. Mm -hmm. But when the, when the people, um, if you saw pictures of people in polling stations in Addis Ababa and other areas, there was absolutely no care for, for social distancing. It was as though there was nothing. There was no COVID, there was no pandemic, there was nothing, right? Mm -hmm. That is the, the, the first um, point. But the second point, which I think is very, very important for, for those people, especially for the, for the people who believe that the government was indeed forced to postpone the election because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, when Ethiopia held elections in, in what, what is it, was it in, um, can you remind me when, when it was, I don't remember the time, but I do remember that by every indicator, mm -hmm. the, the, the pandemic was worse than when Tigray held the election. I uh, feel like, yeah, the way these months blur, I know what you're talking about. They also ran a whole race. Remember that? They were indeed, yeah. Indeed. They were doing like parades and races and like festival type things, um, yeah. as if as if you know there was no COVID. Um, so it was just very contradict. If if you pay attention long enough to anything that this man has said, anything that has come out of the Ethiopian government, they contradict themselves all the time. Like they switch narratives whenever it's convenient you know, to just continue to justify and justify. I feel like, and you know, it's almost like, I know I'm wrong, but I can't admit it. So I'm just gonna double down. Yep. I'm just gonna continue to double down. And so it's really important for those of us um, advocating for the the innocent lives that are, are being taken to to pay attention to these, these narratives and to call attention to them because it's so easily swept under the rug, especially when we're trying to get international um, attention to them, you know? And that's why I'm like, man, you guys are really doing amazing work because it, it has to live somewhere. It has to exist somewhere. We need a structure for it. And these are the things that we're dealing with constantly. Well narrative yeah narratives are very they're they are very powerful um Hannah. Yeah. and sometimes some of the narratives um sound like very innocuous they, they don't sound like like a major issue and people just ignore them right but that mm -hmm. that is not the approach that people should follow when it comes to narrative. because given enough time what mm -hmm. happens with narrative is they become the reality and yeah. they become your story and they become your your legacy generally so if okay. you sit by, as other people said, the narrative, uh, believing that it's not important, it's not a big deal and stuff, the, the price that you're paying is that 
a couple of years down the line, you won't have the power to change that. You would have to live with that, whether you like it or not. So yeah. you have to fight when you can with narratives generally. Always, always. It's a psychological thing too. Like people really need to understand. It's the same way, um, you know, people who have like low self-esteem or low confidence or whatever, it's because the stories that they've been told or that and the stories they believe. So if somebody's told you that you've been, you're dumb all the time, your brain is going to accept that as a reality at some point because they're not filtering it out. And so you start to behave that, you know, sometimes we call that a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? It's like, oh, okay, like you've said this so much that you start to believe it and that your brain just accepts it as fact. And that's why like, you know, in this in psych world, we're always telling people to give themselves positive affirmations to combat that, right? Like you, it's literally that much. It's like, you have to combat it. You have to give yourself a different story so that you can take yourself out of those harmful places that you put yourself in or that other people have put you in. And it's, it's extremely important. And it's also something that I felt like um, for a long time, because of the nature of Tagaru, we we don't always like, we're just dismissive because we're like, that's stupid, right? Like, we're just like, that's like, we're not going to waste our time arguing with you, you know, because we know what's true and what's right. But that hasn't put us in the best position because our story has always been told by somebody else, you know, and when that happens, they're always going to get things wrong and they're always going to misinterpret things because our culture is very unique and it's very old. <laughs> like we're not a new, like we're not a new people, you know? Um, and if you think about it too, stories are the way of the world. How many cultures and people do we know that use oral, oral history, right? And all yeah. of that is storytelling. History is storytelling. Like all yeah. of it is storytelling. It is, the ones that are most important are the ones that get passed down. Those are the ones that inform your practices, your culture, your everyday life is shaped around the stories that were told. Why do you think um, with the Jews and the Holocaust, they are very adamant of telling that story correctly all the time? We learn it in school. It's not painted as, um, you know, oh, they're just some oppressed group. No, 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 no. Like they made sure that narrative was told so that they never repeated that mistake again. And that's something that we have to do as a people. And like our generation has picked up the torch and is making sure that we're doing that. And it starts with like platforms like the one that you're a part of, um, platforms like myself and the, and everyone else that's doing this work because it has to be documented and we have to be able to tell our own stories. It's the one thing that like I really try to like drive home with people all the time. Like you have to own your own story because if not, you will always fall victim to whoever else and they don't always want the best for you as we see right now. They really don't it's it's just so depressing and it's frustrating but it's the work that has to get done and thank god we all are you know at the age that we are proficient enough to get this stuff handled you know that we are able to come together um work with one another and i i will give tagaru credit for this too because i've seen other um, resistance movements and it's so hard for them to come together the one thing and we even talked about this this morning 
is is the one thing about um, Tigray is that come hell or high water, we hold each other down. Like we will ride to the end together. And it's it's just, you know, in group, out group for us. It's like, no, we know we might not be friends, right? <laughs> we might not, whatever. But when it comes to Tigray, we don't play around. What's good for all of us, like even if it's not good for me personally, what's good for all of us is how we vote and how we how we do our work because we're always thinking about the community. We are community-based people. We're like always thinking about each other collectively. And because of that, we've always had strength and and, and people don't understand that. At all, man. But what I did also want to ask you about because you know, to me, I'm like, this guy's just, I said it earlier, I was like, I feel like he's like an encyclopedia, like, he just knows all of these, <laughs> these things about um, the history and, and politics. No, that's, that's, that's the false impression you have of me. Okay, well, I'm gonna keep it because I like it. <laughs> but um, I would say I've, I've been curious to understand and know kind of how you, like, ended up in this kind of field or like where you got all of kind of your general knowledge and your passion for doing this work or I mean you do other work too so you can always talk about that but just trying to understand a little bit more about your journey to this um well um interesting uh I'm a PhD in, in computer science you wouldn't guess that from the things that I write on Twitter or on Instagram <laughs> right um, but like um, like uh, everybody else uh, from Tigray, I have had to put that on the back burner for the past year, uh, mm -hmm. in a way, um, uh, making sure that I am doing the absolute minimum uh, in that in that department. And my most focus has been on on Tigray and being a voice for Tigray and writing for Tigray and reading about Tigray. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that is a, the thing that gives you. Um, uh, perhaps some some knowledge because when you want uh, if you have to write about something and if you have to speak about something the one mm -hmm. thing that you have to make sure is uh, you have to you have to be informed because you don't want to be wasting people's times right yeah um, so there is some knowledge that comes with that with being responsible in what you say and what you write about um, especially when you write a piece you want to make sure that you have you have referenced it, you have, you have sourced it and stuff. And you, that means that you go into territories that you wouldn't otherwise have gone to. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so to the extent that I, um, I sound um, someone who is um, perhaps fairly informed, I think it comes from that, uh, from the responsibility to kind of inform mm -hmm. uh, people and to make sure that I'm not making a fool of myself in, in public. That'll help, right? We don't we don't also want to look dumb. Um, did you start okay, wait, because you're in Sweden. Did you grow up in back home a little bit and then transition to Sweden? What was that journey for you? I grew up in, in Tigray and in Ethiopia I had never uh, lived um outside Tigray. So my, my entire life has been in Tigray. And then I moved to Italy. Um that must have been in two thousand eleven. Mm -hmm. And I completed my master's degree in computer science um, in Italy, and I found a PhD position here in Sweden, and then I moved up uh, further north to, to Sweden, and here I am. 
Wow. So do you do you speak um I'm guessing multiple languages then? I I speak Tigrinya obviously. Yeah. And I I do speak Amharic with a very heavy accent, uh, but <laughs> I managed to make my point. Um and I try English as well. Um and and then a bit of Swedish. Um and a bit of Italy. Okay. Of Italian, I should say. Yeah. And then that's it. That's it. Oh, just that's it. Let's just let's list off more languages. You said I try English. You speak English all day. You do great. You are fine. Um, you speak better than some people I know that grew up speaking English. So oh, thanks. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I say that to say, right? Like it I think there's also a wanting, right? Like this wasn't your background. And that's the, the the point I was really trying to drive home for people is that it wasn't your background to do journalism, right? No. It's not your background at all. Um, it's not your training at all, but you're able to apply the same skill set, this the ability and wanting to know more, to learn and to be open to it. And it also helps that you grew up there because then there are things that you you understand. Like for me, I didn't grow up learning Tigrayan history. That just was not a thing. That's not what I was learning in school. So those things that you guys got to learn, sometimes people take for granted. And then when you think about the rest of us in the diaspora, we definitely didn't. Like we like our our advocacy really comes from one understanding that wrong is wrong, right? But two one day our life like it was just we were just completely shut off from our families you know i don't think people really understand that sometimes like when you move away like you did right like when you move away most of the time the only way you can stay connected to your family is through your phone right is through the internet so when you turn off communications you are turning off a lifeline for folks right like that's how they tell us who's sick, who do we send medicine to, right? Like what's going on, who needs help? Like we don't know any of that when communications are turned off. And so we're relying heavily on outside sources and then you have to beg and plead for independent journalism, which is just wild. Like we're, you know, we can't even get our own journalism. Like it, it's just insane and so, I just want people to understand that too, that you don't, none, most of us, this was not our line of work. This is not what we wanted to do or what we would prefer to spend our time on. Um, we would prefer to use our skill set to help Tigray in a different way, which is what we were doing prior to this war, right? Most of the time, if you are sent outside of Tigray or you're, you know, go try to get educated other places, that the hope is that you are able to bring that back and to help kind of alleviate, because this isn't the first time that our people have been devastated by famine, by man-made famine. Like, this is not the first time. Like, we've had to rebuild multiple times. Our people have been devastated multiple times. And we go and we achieve far more than we ever thought so that we can go back and help. And so our lives have been diverted for the last year instead of focusing on, you know, advancing our people, we're like focused on saving them, you know? And it's it's so difficult, but there's 
I'm hoping and, and what I always manifest for us is that all of this coming together, that we see the power within ourselves and we don't forget that, you know, like we're able to, we can still use our brains and the skill sets that we have in other areas to bring it to light in, in different ways and to show up in different ways and to help in whatever way that we can. And so it's always amazing to see that. Cause I was like, um, I kind of, I, I knew your tech, you know, like, I get it. I know the tech and tech, right? Like your name goes with what you're doing. Um, and I know that there's going to be, I could, I could see this manifesting for you even into like telecommunications, right? Not just journalism, but like, how do you make sure that TGOT is available everywhere? You know, um, how do, how do we make sure that Tigray has its own satellite system and we're able to not be cut off just because somebody wants to cut us off? Like, that's ridiculous. You know, like if, if the U.S., all of a sudden decided to cut off telecommunications, you best believe every other country in the world would be on top of us. Like they would be like, oh, plus we're the entertainment capital of the world. So they would really be going nuts if they tried something like that, right? Facebook was shut down for 24 hours. People were losing their mind. <laughs> like, like it was insane. Like it, it cut off people's livelihoods because we used you know, communications for our jobs too. Like, it is ridiculous. Like, we don't live back in the, the 70s and 60s where you didn't have all of this. So, yeah. if, if we don't, I don't even think the generations that would understand how to, to operate in a world <laughs> without yeah. the internet are, yeah. they're old timers now, you know, like most of them are gone. Yeah. We're the last generation that even played outside without phones, without yeah. the internet. So, we have to think about that context now of the world that we're in, you know, like yeah. it's unacceptable. And um, I'm hoping that this like motivates and inspires people to like, we're seeing all the obstacles that we've had to face. And hopefully we're able to put our minds together to make sure that we don't have to face those obstacles again. Um, Cause that's really what's going to ensure like lasting yeah. peace for our people. So I'm excited. Also, this is kind of random and I should have asked this earlier. Does TGOT stand for something? Is this an acronym? No, it's actually a, a Tigrinya word. Uh, and uh, I have observed that the, the word comes as something strange to many people. But Tigat, um means being enlightened, being educated, being aware of, um, mm -hmm. of what is happening, um, uh, having an, an appetite and, and a desire for learning. So it's an all-encompassing word. It's actually a very good word that, if I could say that of ourselves, a very good word um, to have. But I, I want to make another point, if you would give me time, yeah, um, yeah. Hannah, about, about media. I think um, in many respects now today, Tigray has been um, taken back to the Stone Age, really. Um, there is no communication of any description, no, no telephone, no internet, no, no flights, no, no whatsoever, right? Um, yeah. And it has been sealed off from the from the from the international community. And when you when you when you describe the situation integrate to your to your foreign friends, for instance, mm -hmm. they are invariably incredulous. They they can't understand that such a thing could happen in this day and age. Mm -hmm. But after you have these conversations, usually you reflect about what is it that um, that is happening integrate and why is it that it is happening integrate. 
And yeah. the answer, really, uh, we could talk about um, the the um, the fact that Abi Ahmed is um, cruel and and callous and and vengeful and stuff. So you could mm -hmm. go into those uh, superficial explanations, but the the basic um, fundamental explanation is that we Tigrans didn't have the, the levers of power. We we weren't really in charge of our own destiny. We had mm -hmm. put the, the the most important things to at the mercy of other people and the other people as it turns out haven't been generous to us so the one thing that we must change as soon as possible is we must make sure that we are in charge that we have the controls that it's only us who can switch on and off the telecommunication services for instance so yeah. that's one of the things that must happen as soon as we we um somehow uh, manage to kind of um get in, in control of our Tigray. that's one of the things that we must have learned by now the fact that we must be in charge of Tigray in every respect be it in um, telecommunications and in other domains oh absolutely it it is like beyond me and i think these are questions that we've all kind of had for a while but um as a you know as a diaspora like i've always been brushed off you know, like I, whenever I would go back and visit, um, I'd ask these questions. Like, what do you mean the electricity just got cut off? Like, how is that a thing? You know, like, oh, they just turned off the water? Like, that doesn't make sense, right? Like these, these things have been happening for a long time, like a long time, whenever it's convenient. So it, it shouldn't be, any government can just turn things on and off for the people like those are life sustaining situations like we also got to consider hospitals right we got to consider like basic survival things for people being shut off or being under the control of somebody else it's just it's unacceptable it is literally unacceptable like think about planes and and pilots and flying around you're cutting off communications how are they going to know it's safe to land right like th these are like things that we don't always think about and we take for granted um but i'm 100 percent with you on that, that that it cannot be left up to you know the powers that be that are in central government that are far removed from the region you know what i mean it, it's just it's not okay it is absolutely not okay and, and i want that for every region i want that for all of the of africa really that it shouldn't be left up to, you know, certain people to decide when and if that you should be shut off from the world. Like, fight fair, honestly. Like, don't do like that. That is the weakest thing to me. It's like you cannot fight fair if you can. If you feel like, oh, I'm just gonna just. That's that's an easy way to you know to do what you need to do in the dark. Um, so I'm 100% behind that. And, you know, I'm more than happy to put my brain power, whatever, what, not, again, not my field, but if I got to learn a new skill, I'll learn a new skill, right? Like, it's, it's one of those things that I think we can think about. Um, those of us on the outside, um, how do we help those of them in the inside to do that and to create that and, and for them to be self-sustaining? Um, I've been thinking a lot about solar power <laughs> recently too. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. yeah, how do we do this? Because I, it, those are just mind boggling things that at, at a basic level, um, 
especially like what a lot of people will use to inform their policies, right? On like, or their scales for, for grading countries on their um, lifestyles and different things. They use like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. At the basic level, you need food, shelter and water, right? Yeah. Like at a basic level. And most of those things in this day and age, right? Require some type of form of electricity, um, you need some type of communication system to coordinate that for an entire group of people. So yeah. we definitely, um, we have the skill set. I know we do. We are also inspired and motivated to do the work. I know we're tired, so I hope people take some breaks. Um, but, you know, once we get through this part, once our people, like, this is what I tell myself all the time. If our people can hold on and they can prevail and they can survive, then we will do the rest. We will we will yeah. stand up and we will help them do whatever they need to do to make sure that they are secure and safe and that they're never put in this position again. That's yeah. like literally my one thing that I want <laughs> so bad more yeah. than anything. And that leads me to our last question to close before off. You, before you go into your next question, if you would give me time, because you yes. raised another a very uh, um, important and interesting point regarding uh, the fact that you have been thinking about different um, crazy ideas, right? <laughs> um, the, the, I think Tigray has been totally devastated now, beyond uh, you could imagine, right? Yeah. Uh, if there was a if if there was a magic wand that would allow us to see what has happened in Tigray, we would be shocked beyond any description. Oh yeah. And so we would need a comprehensive, thorough reconstruction of Tigray in every domain, really. Mm -hmm. And that is going to require people in different areas of expertise, and it's going to require different ideas. Some of the ideas would sound crazy at, 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 at first glance, but they aren't really uh, crazy. So whatever ideas that you have in your mind that you think could be of some use uh, to, to write, make sure that you, you, you develop them, make sure that you communicate with other people who might have similar interests, because mm -hmm. the truth is that they are going to be uh, needed in, in, in Tigray and sooner than you, 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 you imagine. So uh, keep that up. Yeah, I, I, that's all I think about, because I'm like, build better you know like there's um i'm a silver linings type of person that's how i've made it through life and all the trauma that i've faced personally it's like okay you destroyed this but now i can build it even better so like in my mind the future of tigray looks like wakanda <laughs> you know like when i saw black panther i said why can't that be us like why why couldn't it be you know um and and we have such intelligent people like beyond smart you know like you guys understand concepts i would never understand ever right and i think there's a thirst for the knowledge and there's a discipline for it right and i think that our people are more than capable of getting it done they just need the resources and I think at the very least, the diaspora can provide the resources and it can really be a partnership. And, and um, I'm more of a mutual aid t type of person. I'm not into this idea of charity because then you keep the people like poor and dependent. 
and I'm more about like how do we empower and uplift them because they know more than anything what they need. So yeah, no, we're completely we're gonna we're gonna get it done. I I'm like I refuse to feel any differently. <laughs> like I refuse. There's enough negativity out there. I am all on the like positive. Um, we are going to get through this and we will rebuild better and safer and make sure the other part that we don't end up back here. Like that is the generational curse that I want to break for our people more than anything is I don't want to go another 30 years and then, oops, surprise, we're back at this. Like that's just ridiculous. Like it, there's way too many different options on how to resolve conflict than to constantly go to war and to devastate people and land for no reason. Like, it doesn't get you anywhere. It really doesn't. Like, there's no winners in war. I don't know why people like to say that all the time. Like, we're winning. No, you're surviving. You are surviving, but there's no winning in a war because people die on both sides. And it just continues the trauma and it continues the hurt because on their side, you you know whatever the the justification is they lost a parent they lost a brother a sister somebody important to them and that's a hurt and a pain that will get passed down and it has been for generations like thousands of years of war and we still haven't found a better way to do this and it's like all right guys this this has got to stop like it is the 21st century i don't want to keep reading about wars in history books like current day that it, there's no need for it. There's literally no need for it. So um, that's, I guess, my legacy. So the question for you then is what is it that you want your legacy to be? Well, that, that's, the, that's the big question, um, Hannah. Um, I know. <laughs> um, so I, I, don't, I don't have anything um, grandiose in terms of legacy. Um, but because this is a question that kind of goes into philosophy and what the purpose of life is and stuff, um, mm -hmm. I would reflect a little bit. Um, so I'm not a person who gives importance to, um, to any higher power or to the afterlife or on stuff. I, I am the, the, a person who believes that when you die, that's pretty much the end of it, generally speaking. Okay. And, um, uh, there was this. Uh, I think it was in the 18th or 19th century, uh, American educator, I forgot his name, he says that um, make sure that you have scored some victory for humanity before mm -hmm. you die. Um, the, the, the description was more poetic, but that's the point. Mm -hmm. And if I translate that into my case, it would be that my, I want my legacy to be that I have done something that is important for photograph for that my my entire focus and my entire um kind of dream and, and ambition is not confined to 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 I, I don't pretty much um, care about about others so if if when i die or something significant happens if i by that time if i will have done something that is meaningful to people it could be to few number of people or it could be to a huge number of people it doesn't really matter as long as it has been it has had a positive impact then i would i would go to to the to the grave a, a happy person oh you know i i feel like you've already done that you probably are just unaware you know i don't think that we get to see our social impact right away 
but I'm sure there are people who have seen you um, talk, you know, in different rooms and spaces, um, who have been educated by you in various forms, myself included, because I don't, I don't do all the reading and the research that you do. And in a way that you might not understand, you help us reconnect to ourselves, to understand a part of ourselves that we didn't know, that we didn't have the opportunity to learn about. And it might feel small to you now, but I'm sure that generations even after us will appreciate that there's a source of information for them that they get to understand who they are and how they became to be. And that's no small feat at all, you know? And if you want to continue, maybe you want to write a book. Who knows? Who knows? You might take this on the road. That's, or might um, that's, so, that's, so, that's so gracious of you. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course. No, I really and truly do believe that. I have, I've seen your work ethic. I've seen um and been a part of discussions and i'm always like yeah go tech right like i'm like yes like <laughs> because there's there's so many of us that that wish that we could that we could speak so eloquently or that we could um that we could put language to the things that we don't like that we feel but we don't know how to express you know, in those settings, in those ways, and you give people that. And it's something that I had to get comfortable with as well, because I, I didn't see it either. And you need friends to reflect that to you and to tell you like, it is actually happening. You're doing what you're saying you want to do and you're living in it every day. You're making the conscious decision to do that every day. I'm sure you know you're in your little office situation and there's things that you can, but the fact that your mind and heart and, and spirit are with the people of Tigray every day, you're doing it. And when they're able to open up and see, right, and they have complete access, they're going to be able to see that every day since this has started, you have been in there making sure that their story was told and it will impact them as well. So. I don't want to get too sappy because you know I'm a I'm a crier. Um, I, I hope you hear that and that you feel that and that you know that your legacy is already being written um, and that it's just gonna get bigger. And if you do want to write a book, I know a publisher. So oh whoa whoa that's yeah. that's that's great. That's that's a great um, motivator already. Yeah, so have that fixed the, the publisher. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I got Thanks, you. I think I think you're being very generous and gracious to me, but I appreciate that. But I think um, I, I would say in general that I have been immensely impressed by the Tigran community. Um, um, we have done things beyond uh, my my expectations, and long may it continue. But uh, Tigray is going to need us even more um, after its its freedom. So we have to we have to be braced for for for, for a beautiful journey uh, with Tigray and um, in each other's company. Uh, so it's been it's been wonderful to witness what we are capable of doing when we come together. Oh yeah, oh I'll I'll, I'll be meeting you in Makala, in a, in absolutely absolutely. I, will, I, will I think, see you I think we will have I think I think the plan is that we will have one grand uh, get together in in Makala. And there will oh, be yeah. this extraordinarily beautiful um, carnival or whatever you want to call it. But we will celebrate um, one day and soon for sure. Yes, I'm excited. 
hopefully my house is still standing i will host you <laughs> like but i i'm i'm yes i am manifesting and praying on that day we have been planning our because this is what we have to do in such a devastation we have to keep dreaming and, and hoping and wishing and hold on to that i think obama had it right the audacity of hope right because um, it helps us keep going every day. And and you, my friend, are part of that village that helps us continue to do this every day. Um, if you ever want to catch, <laughs> if you ever want to catch Tech in one of his brilliant moments that I'm talking about, come join us on Clubhouse. Um, he, you can find him there often um, when we're having different discussions. And fighting, fighting with extremists usually yes. on Clubhouse. That's what happens. Yes, I was trying to say it nicely. <laughs> <laughs> but we love it so thank you so much tech i appreciate you um for joining today i hope that this was um enlightening for those watching and who are who are going to run this back especially if you have been confused about things please go check out um tgot please 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 they are so good at keeping us all informed and up to date um and again thank you so much for joining tech i'm excited Thanks, thanks. Have a splendid day. I think it's morning in your time zone, right? It is. Yes, I'm going to have a great lunch thanks. in just a second. <laughs> but Absolutely. You have earned it. You deserve it, yeah. Right? I'll be telling myself that, too. All right, everybody, that is Black Men Speak Sundays. It's your girl, Hannah, a.k.a. Ruta, and you are watching the Uprooted Network. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Um, we want to build this base and we want to keep having our own spaces where we tell our own stories. So uh, make sure you're following tech and you're following myself as well. You can find us on social media everywhere. Um, tech, you want to tell them what your socials is? I'll throw it in the caption as well. Uh, so I'm on Twitter, uh, TechLai uh, Michael with, with an I. Um, uh, are you? Um, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put yours too. All right. Tech like with the and I think that that's pretty much it. It's usually on Twitter that I make my points. The, the other things are usually for bullshitting. I don't do anything that would be meaningful for you listeners. But on Twitter, um, tech like with an I is that the like this? T e k l a i. Yes, and Michael. And Mike, okay. oh, wait, I, I will have to actually double check what uh, because I keep changing the handle for whatever reason. I don't understand. Yeah, so there is an underscore actually. You're so funny. <laughs> You're so funny. Okay, I'm just gonna put it in the caption Tech Live Michael. All right, yes. yes, so goofy. Okay, guys. Make sure don't don't keep changing it because they're gonna look for you after this. Yeah, um, I, I won't. I promise I won't change it anymore. Yes. Oh, and Zuhair said, we stand tech. Yes, we do. So y'all, I hope you guys were delighted by this treat. I'm telling you, he's amazing and super easy to talk to. Um, and will often tell you information you never thought you were just like, huh? So make sure you take notes around him. <laughs> so everybody, again, thank y'all for joining us. Make sure that you go back, um, like, share, subscribe, all of those good things. And I will see y'all tomorrow for Manifest Mondays. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.